Hi. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 3 of Pictures Out There Podcast Series. Today our hosts, Dave Fogelman and Lee Stewart, will continue with Part 3 of the three-part exploration of wisdom. As an example of the simple-to-complex-to-simple model, they will share a powerful concept, the math of kindness, help, and hope. Wisdom is not all that hard to acquire. In fact, wisdom is simple. Wisdom is a powerful tool for our pictures. And now, here's Lee and Dave. Hi, from Pictures Out There Studios, this is Dave. Good morning, this is Lee. Our topic today, which let us remind you, is part three of three of our mini-series titled Wisdom is Simple. Our topic today is the math of kindness, help, and hope. Whoa, now, Dave, whoa, whoa. Math. Math. Yeah. Did you bring your Whoa. Cal- did you bring your gonculator? <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, math. <clears throat> no one ah. said there would be math, but <laughs> there's going to be math today. Ah. But we think it's math of a very, very different kind, and we think it's math that has great power. Absolutely. So it is about the difference our pictures can make on big social issues and the impact that each of us can have as individuals to make positive changes in our world. It is also a wonderful example of going from simple. Ah, that word again. There it is. So let's kind of take a moment to reconstruct that simple, complex, simple Mm -hmm. framework. The first simple is we're gathering understanding and knowledge. We don't know much about a topic or a person or a relationship or whatever the situation may be. something we want to solve, something we want to know. And we just don't know much yet. Right. Then we enter that ocean of complexity. Hopefully. Yes, which is... (laughs) Fact gathering, understanding, questioning, learning, curiosity. Uh, It can be frustrating. It can also be invigorating to Mm -hmm. be in there. Mm -hmm. And then we come out on the opposite shore of that ocean of complexity to the second simple, which is enlightenment and understanding. And just a couple of key principles that we can carry forward Mm -hmm. with us, right? Mm -hmm. So simple, there's an unsolved problem or issue that we need to describe at the beginning. Complex, that's about the learning and researching about that unsolved problem. And then simple, well, what can math tell us about how simple this complex problem might actually be to solve? Ah, so that's the take that we're really emphasizing today is, is there a math piece of this at the end of it that helps us think through big problems? Okay. Absolutely. Cool. Our simple wisdom can be the fuel to solving enormous problems, opening up equally enormous opportunities, and we'll show it with math. Math. Now, some of you might just want to shut down at the very word math. Math. Maybe you didn't study it so much in school. Maybe you love math. This is a really fun and wonderful math, and honestly, it is not that hard. So again, we're calling today's segment the math of kindness, help, and hope. And we want to give you, our audience, whether present day or future, a positive message of hope, opportunity, and empowerment. Every person, each person, each of us can make all the difference, and we want to show that today through math. We're going to show how each of us can make a difference on some really big problems in our world today through just doing our part. Nothing more, just our part, okay? On big and basic problems like money to live on. Mm -hmm. Is that a big problem? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Food to eat, things like that. Big issues, and we have math that will help us. We'll show that through doing some very simple math that any of us can do. We're talking about basic addition, 
subtraction, multiplication, and division. There's not going to be calculus, no trigonometry, none of that deep math stuff. Darn. You don't need one of those chalkboards that goes across 82 (laughs) walls, right? Whether you love math or are terrified by it or something in between, it doesn't matter. This is for each and every one of us, and we will make it easy. So, some questions to reflect on before we walk through these scenarios might be, Hmm. why do so many of us think the big social issues are just not solvable. There are some things I know in Lee's in my lifetime, things like hunger, things like having clean air, water, poverty, things like that, that they've been around our whole lifetime. And so there gets to be this notion of, well, I guess that just can't really be be solved. And we're asking to really reflect on that. We're going to show a different story on that. Another one might be, why do we not understand or accept the immediate economic impact it would have if, say, for instance, all of our American and global citizens were what we'll call full consumers. Everybody had enough to eat. Everybody had clean water to drink, clean air to breathe, and everybody had a home to live in. If those things were true for all of us, we all would immediately flow money back into our economy. Mm-hmm. It's, it's This has always been amazing to me, Lee, how if somebody is living below poverty and they're provided income that gets them above that level, that money that they are given, you know, during that difficult time, they're going to go spend it. Yes. Because they need to to survive and live. Yeah. It immediately goes back, back into, into the into economy. The economy. It's it, a virtuous cycle. Yeah, yeah, and it just seems like that element uh, escapes us real frequently. So why is it so hard for some of us to see that we all benefit if all of our American and global citizens would be full consumers? Well, another question we might ask is, why do so many of us feel powerless just to do our part towards solving these big social issues when the potential to do that is right there, right now, both as individuals, certainly as voters in democratic processes. So let's walk through some examples. We're going to show some ways that, you know, one or two of these big problems could be completely solved at a global level. But we want to also really emphasize all during this, until that happens, the part you play in doing your part has an incredible impact. It does. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. Okay. It begins with that. Everyone do their own part. So let's start at a global level. How much money would it take from each person in the world to eliminate hunger for every person on Earth? Ah, So to completely eliminate eliminate hunger hunger. for everyone on Earth, how much money do you think that would take? Kind of how much would each person on Earth have to pay to eliminate that? Estimates of how much money that would take to end world hunger range from $7 billion on the low end to as much as $265 billion per year on the upper end. That's a heck of a range. That's a big, big range, (laughs) is it not? Why is there such a big range? Well, experts disagree on how to end world hunger first. It has many, many causes, right? Sometimes it's bad weather. It's disease. It's drought. Uh, It could be a pestilence of insects or something. Guess what? Wars occur, which disrupt Mm -hmm. food sources. Falling prices for crops, rising prices for food, inflation, low wages, unemployment. So there's a laundry list of causes. No single solution could hope to address all of those. Mm, Right. Well, let's, for our calculation here, let's go ahead and pick the high end of that, you know, just to be conservative, I guess you'd say. So we're going to think of the number $265 billion per year. And using that money, we could solve world hunger. Okay, now time to grab your calculator. 
or a chalkboard or whatever you want to use. <laughs> Sharpen the pencils. And we want to go, we want to go a little slow here. It's a simple calculation, but let's go slow on it. So the math of kindness, help, and hope on this issue would say that the annual gross domestic product, if you're familiar with that term, basically what the globe produces, mm -hmm. or GDP, as it's often called, the annual gross domestic product of the globe is $84 trillion. That's a 2020 figure as we sit here in 2022, but close enough. $84 trillion. Okay, that's how much we produce. So we're going to use that high-end estimate of $265 billion per year to solve global hunger. And so we're going to divide $265 billion by $84 trillion. trillion. Okay? The answer to that, as you no doubt have discovered on your calculator, <laughs> is 0.3% or 0.003. So wait a minute. I didn't carry the one. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. telling me that it is less than half a percent. Less than half a percent of our global GDP would be required to redistribute to solve world hunger. That sounds like a solvable problem rather than an unsolvable problem. I think it is. So a question on which to reflect, would I give up three-tenths of 1% of my own income so that every person on earth had enough to eat? Hmm. So if you were to make $100,000, that would mean giving up $300. If you make $50,000, that means you would give up $150. A year. A year. Mm -hmm. We would, of course, suggest that those who make more should be comfortable contributing a higher percentage to the global solution. But an average of 0.3% is all it would take. Wow. Man. So I think this illustrates, Dave, and I think this illustrates that we can all make a difference. The solutions are right in front of us for these big problems that we have to date have refused to solve as a society, as a world. We continue to pay an ongoing financial and social price for our intransigence, for our lack of resolve, mm -hmm. for our disconnection to other people around the world. But when we truly understand the math of what would solve these issues, we understand, perhaps for the first time, the difference that we can each make. And we are more inclined to vote or choose options to permanently solve these problems. We live on the same hurtling piece of rock. Let's fix this. Mm -hmm. That question just never really comes up. Right. As we're trying to show here, the answer to it just isn't that complicated. It's simple. Let's look at another big social question, but let's maybe do this at a more national level here in the United States. How much money would it take from each person in the U.S. to end involuntary homelessness in the United States. Homelessness is a complicated issue. It's in that complex, right? Mm -hmm. We're trying to pull out of the complexity of that complicated issue and all the factoids about homelessness and ask some simple questions mm -hmm. that we think are compelling. There are an estimated 580,000 people, time to get out the calculator a little bit, in the United States experiencing homelessness on a given night. Now, there could be a question with that number as to involuntary homelessness or voluntary. We won't get into that part. We'll just use that big number, okay? And that's according to the most recent national point-in-time estimate we could find from 2020. This represents a rate of approximately 17 people experiencing homelessness per every 10,000 people in the general population. How did we get that number? Take 580,000 people, 
divide that by about 330 million. That's the number of people in the U.S. today. And so the percentage that that generates is 0.17% of the population. Okay, so 0.17% of the population currently is homeless in our country. Now, homelessness, as Dave suggested, it's a really, really complicated and very personal issue. We understand and respect that. But we do want to simply illustrate the potential to solve the pure housing element of involuntary homelessness. So keep your calculators fired up. Let's use an assumption of acquiring a $2,000 per month apartment for each person. $2,000 a month to house someone. We understand that in some places... That's at the low end. Some places, that's at the high end. Right. We're just going to use that number. Depending on where you are, that might be quite a luxury place, and other places it might not be much. Mm -hmm. But it is shelter. So a $2,000 a month apartment for 580,000 homeless people in the U.S. would cost about $14 billion per year. Dave, what do you suppose that is if every individual in the U.S. contributed to that Kitty. Let's see. Let me get my calculator here. Mm-hmm. Fourteen billion divided by three hundred and thirty million, million people yields forty-three dollars a year. Forty-three dollars so a year. Every person in the U.S. would have to contribute forty-three dollars a year to fund that kind of housing for all of the people who are homeless. So, a question on which to reflect. Would I give up $43 a year in order for people without a home in the U.S. to have the option of having one? Hmm. Let's reflect on that. $43 per year. Yeah. Okay. Let's look at another big social question, but just as we went from global to national, we're now going to go down to a bit more of a local lens, and we want to talk about an effort in the Kansas City area called the Grooming Project. The Grooming Project is devoted to helping impoverished families become self-reliant through job training in what is a very high-demand, high-paid trade currently of pet grooming. The Grooming Project's education-based approach not only financially empowers single parents in poverty through equipping them with credentials in a very competitive market, but it also ensures that they focus on improving the family's future for that individual as a whole through parenting and budgeting classes, mental health support, life skills courses, and, and some other needed medical services that get coordinated with many local organizations. So to date, the Grooming Project has 90 graduates Mm. who now have dog grooming careers that provide for them and their families a very living, sustainable wage. The graduates of the Grooming Project program are typically single moms who are coming from very, very difficult circumstances, and they now have a living, sustainable wage to support themselves and their families. So if we were to assume that on average about two more people Let's say they're dependents. Usually those are children. For each of those graduates who now also have the minimum needed for a sustainable financial life, then there are about 270 total people who have been positively impacted. So let's, let's go ahead and we'll hold on to that 270 number of people who've been impacted by this project. And now let's do some math related to that. So calculator time. Mm-hmm. There are 37 million people currently below the poverty level in the United States, okay? 37 million. 
That's out of the 330 million total people in the U.S. Okay, so if just 137,000 people in the United States made some type of effort that had the same impact on poverty as the grooming project, impacting about 270 people each who are trying to emerge from poverty, then poverty would be eliminated in the U.S. Okay, let's talk about the math of that. If you divide 37 million by 270, right, Mm -hmm. then you come up with Mm 137,000. So that's 37 million people below the poverty level. This effort is taking 270 of those out of poverty. So the math of that, again... 37 million divided by 270 gives you 137,000 people. Gotcha. Making that effort. So, 137,000 people represents, get this, 0.04% of the U.S. population. So, that is one in 2,500. And so, this is just amazing. The Grooming Project, an incredible effort. If just one in 2,500 people in the U.S. would follow your example of giving or creating a nonprofit with similar impact or having an effort of similar impact, we could solve poverty in the U.S. Amazing. Well done. Well done, Grooming Project. And guess what? Others of us are capable of making similar impact. Yes. Or if your impact isn't that you that you have the reach of the grooming project and and you're one in twenty five hundred, be one in fifty, be one in a hundred, be one in five. Every part matters. Every Absolutely. person's contribution matters. Yeah. So let's revisit the questions on which we might reflect. Why is it that so many of us think these issues are unsolvable? As Dave said at the beginning of our program today. Some of these issues have been around for centuries, generations, and people have arrived at a place where they go, I guess I won't even try, because clearly this has been around forever. I don't see it changing. Why do we not understand what the immediate economic impact would be if all of our citizens in the U.S. and in the world were full consumers? And once we understand that, why then would we not act on that and create a world where all of our brothers and sisters have enough to eat, clean water to drink, clean air to breathe, and a home to live in. If those things were true for all of us, we would all immediately flow money back into the economy, Mm -hmm. or all of us could save at least a little in a responsible, kind of non-hoarding, non-greedy way. Why is it so hard for some of us to see that we all would benefit from this approach? Financially, over time, as much as anything... And we know that many of our listeners out here today are already doing your part. And we really appreciate it. And we hope as you're listening to this, you have a wonderful satisfaction from knowing what you're contributing to what are socially very solvable problems for our whole society. And our thanks to those of you who are not only doing your part, but are also voting on some of these issues through your votes are starting to set a tone where hopefully in the future we will be able to just cut to the chase and solve these big social issues like hunger, like poverty, through our votes. Now, Lee, just for our listeners, we want to emphasize we've presented three scenarios here today. We've actually looked at two or three others. We have those on standby for what will probably be a part two of this segment somewhere out there in this season or future seasons. These are not the only situations where the math works. Right. 
the math basically always works. It always works. It always works. We always underestimate our own ability to impact things. So Lee and I today are suggesting that we need a new math in our world to have the kind of future that we should want for all of us. And it's a math of kindness, help, and hope, as we call it. And all that is really a joyful opportunity. It's just sitting there. It's right in front of us. So we hope we've shown in this mini podcast series, with this being the last part of that, that wisdom is simple. As we talked about in prior podcasts, the need to leave the complex at some point and move to this second simple, to this last simple, pulling out the compelling things, we've tried to give an example of that here today, where if you if you stay mired in the complexity of the hunger issue, of the poverty issue, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera, then you'll never pull out and kind of go, well, how might we just very simply go solve this? And we hopefully have given you the math that suggests that's doable. Yes. So again, we hope we've shown that in this mini podcast series. It is a powerful, learned, and practiced process and habit. Wisdom is simple. They can make us happier, more at peace, more effective, and more satisfied with our lives and our impact in the world. Okay, I want to just go over what you just said there, Dave. Let's play back some key words. We can be happier, more at peace, more effective, more satisfied with our lives and our impact on the world if we just think through this simple math. Yes. Why would we run from that? <laughs> I, don't, I, I, I don't see a downside. This is, this is sitting here. <laughs> this is sitting here. All this stuff is just sitting there waiting for us to say yes and go embrace it. Why would we run from that? Yes. Yeah. So now we have arrived at the portion of the program that we speak to the future, right? Hello, future. We hope you are doing well out there in the future, wherever and whomever you may be. Let's talk a little bit about the math of kindness, help, and hope again, Dave. Uh, If future generations have fully embraced this formula, how do you expect they got there? How did they do it? I think one of the things that happened, Lee, uh, and those of you in the future now do this by habit, right? There is a notion of we can do things. We can change things. We have the power. And, you know, in this case, we've used math to help demonstrate that. But I think sometimes uh, I look back at history, and you're a big history buff, and we'll look at certain civilizations that just took kind of a quantum leap mm-hmm. from where society was at that point or, or where people's thinking was, and they just take this leap. Mm-hmm. And those people aren't any different than the other people who are alive at that time. So right. some of this, I think, is just a culture and an expectation of going, why not? How would we do that? Mm-hmm. And, and going, exploring it, and then acting. There's a problem. Why don't we go solve that? Yeah. 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 Nobody's done that before. Well, it doesn't mean you can't do it. Why don't we go do that? Yeah. And so I think we have a lesson from history that says our species is capable of doing that when we embrace that and take it on. We just have never made that a practiced habit. And so I think that's something that you all in the future now have as a practiced habit. And as we've talked about in other situations, you use education mm-hmm. and how you train the young mm-hmm. on how to embrace that and then go do it. And then you hand it off yes. to them. You, you, one like, generation hands it off to another. Like the baton and the relay race. Yeah, yes. exactly. So you might ask in the future, uh, how did we here in our present, why didn't we solve this in our time, right? Well, I think a lot of it has to do with self-centeredness, with greed, with social institutions and political institutions that incentivize individual thinking rather than collective thinking. And we have to ask ourselves some really hard questions. It's kind of like, you know, is there some part of us that in some cases likes the idea 
of being better off mm-hmm. than someone else. Right. Does that does that make us feel bigger, yeah. better, superior about ourselves? And uh, I think all of us in response to that would hopefully cringe a little bit and go, "Well, no, I I don't like to think that I feel that way." Well. Why don't we hack that? Right. Why don't we eliminate this? Yep. And I think we have to ask ourselves the hard question of, as a society, is there some part of that where, to some degree, some of us like feeling better mm-hmm. about ourselves than, than other people, or the way we feel good is by having other people worse off than us? Yeah. By comparison, we're, we feel better. Yeah. Right. And exactly. Yeah, like, oh, that's pathetic. <laughs> well, it is. One thing that I've carried throughout my life, I think my parents impressed this on me at a young age, was to say, let's just take world hunger, just as one example, there are many others, to say, well, that child who may die from insufficient nutrition, what if that's the next Gandhi? Just think of the potential of every child, and when they don't get to realize that potential because of something as simple to solve as hunger, we're not going to benefit from their unique gifts. And we didn't show some an additional piece of math uh, that I, I'll guarantee you when we get into things like clean air and clean water and show some other examples in future podcasts somewhere out there, that the economic benefit of solving some of these problems comes right back to us. And that, that again, one of the ironies of not solving these issues is we are hurting ourselves. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like somebody going, well, if I paid $43, when is that coming back to my pocket? Right. It comes back to you in a hundred different ways Ways. from a healthy economy, from having full consumers. The analysis of these issues, if you were to go do this, shows that virtually every time. So let's conclude this podcast miniseries with this quotation from Dietrich Bonhoeffer, which we think is really relevant and appropriate for what we've been discussing He states, the ultimate question for a responsible man to ask is not how he is to extricate himself heroically from the affair, but how the coming generation is to live. So, we ask as always, what are your perspectives? What are your pictures? What are your ideals? And what is your influence to use and share? How the coming generation is to live, and caring about that means caring about the future, which is the topic for our next podcast. So thanks so much for joining us again today. Have a great day. We look forward to seeing you next time. Thanks for joining us today. As always, feel free to explore more about Pictures Out There at picturesoutthere.com and major social media sites. We hope you have the day of your dreams, the day of your pictures.